you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those seeds. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that in a premeditated fashion, in the place of your choosing, rather than in our pews on a Sunday morning or on a Christmas Eve. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. Now you'll still miss out on some things we think are pretty cool, like being with other people. That's one of them. That's one of them. You'll miss the support and encouragement that that brings. Uh, You might miss some pretty good music, especially on Christmas Eve. Oh, we had some good stuff. Oh, did you? Yeah. My, My special musicians got sick this week. Oh, we had Low How a Rose Air Blooming. Oh, wow. By the choir. And we had another one that I can't remember. It but really, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. You were. I was. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And you won't get the M and M's at the back of the sanctuary. We gave out candy canes. Ah, we Keep gave out M and M's. We gave out M and M's that had like, like Jesusy things on them. We'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in the biggest little city in the world, Reno, Nevada. Uh, We're not theological experts. We're not homiletical harbingers of the new age. We are your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. So we started this podcast. So if you're away from home or working, or maybe you had family obligations at Christmas Eve, or maybe you were sleeping, you can keep up with us and the ideas floating around the church. Every episode is a conversational version of a sermon that one of us gave either on a Sunday or in this case on a Sunday evening, Christmas Eve, uh, whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just hope that you will receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we really do mean that you would have it with an open mind, that you don't have to agree with us. In fact, we expect that there might be something that just doesn't quite sit well with you and that you will think about it and question it and figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is in the midst of all of that, that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So on Christmas Eve, following an advent of all the prophets, we read more prophets. Of course. (laughs) Why not? Why not? But the sermon, while it was based on these two, these two prophecies, which I'll mention later in the, in the sermon, was also based on a wonderful book called They All Saw the Cat. I would tell you the author's name, except I did not bring it with me home. It's sitting on my table in my office. And I'll post a link to it on the website, sundaymorningsleepin.com, so you can find it there in the blog post that contains this podcast. And They All Saw the Cat is like, it's my new favorite book. (laughs) Good. Good. It's edging out Jane Austen. No. Um, And Harry Potter? It's pretty good. No, well, let's not be blasphemous here. Okay. Um, it, they All Saw the Cat is a it's a picture book for children, which mm-hmm. is what every children's moment on Christmas Eve is at my church. We read a children's book together, and then we talk about, like, what could this possibly have to do with Jesus being born? And so They All Saw the Cat is a, it's a story, and it's sort of repetitive in as much as it says, They All Saw the Cat as, as it walked through the world with its whiskers, ears, and tail. And then they say, And the little boy saw the cat. And the dog saw the cat, and the fox saw the cat, and then they, they all saw the cat with its whiskers, heels, and tails. And so you hear, you see the cat from all these different perspectives, and the cat always looks different. Mm-hmm. So from the little boy's perspective, it's got these bright, big eyes, and it's smiling, and it looks so fuzzy and warm and cuddly, and it's wrapping around his ankles, and it's lovely, mm-hmm. and it's his pet, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the dog sees the cat, and it's this evil, <laughs> like stringy, wants to torture him kind of thing. And then the fox sees the cat, and it looks like a delicious treat, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then you know all these different things. The flea sees the cat, and it's a giant hairy mountain that it's standing on. 
and a fish sees a cat and it's just eyes through a fishbowl. So it's all blurry. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, all these different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Cat, the earthworm, and it has these great illustrations. All the illustrations are gorgeous. It has a, and the earthworm sees the cat and it's just the pressure that it oh, feels yeah. under the earth yeah. and it's mm-hmm. illustrated as pressure. And the snake sees the cat and it's heat signatures. Mm. And so there's all these different ways that people see the cat. And then at the end, it says they also have a cat. And the cat is made up of all of these different ways that it is perceived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a and patchwork. Like a patchwork. And then at the end, it says, and then the cat walked up to the water. And what do you think it saw? Mm. And then the cat looks at itself in the reflection in the water. And you sort of see what the cat sees or what the artist imagines the cat might see. Mm-hmm. In any case, they all saw the cat and it looked different to everybody. Right. And so I said, which one of those was right? How do you guys, do you, do you have cats? Everybody had a cat. All the kids had cats. And at 10 <laughs> Even o'clock, if they didn't have a cat, they probably had a cat. They, they, they knew a cat. They'd met a cat at some point. The <laughs> choir came down at the 10 o'clock service because there were no kids at the 10 o'clock service. At the 8 o'clock service, we had about 10 kids. And so we all talked oh, about oh, our the cats. 8 o'clock in the evening. Service. 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. And the 10 p.m. evening service, the choir came down. and Because they missed the illustrations at the 8 o'clock service. They couldn't yeah, see them. They couldn't see them. So they all came down and sat on the floor where the kids sit. And they wanted to see the pictures. It was very funny. The kids were all telling me about their cats. And some of the kids thought cats were just the coolest. Like, they're so sweet and funny and cuddly. And other kids thought cats were evil. <laughs> and I said, well, I tend to think of them as teddy bears with razor blades in their paws. And everybody started laughing. I said, because, you know, they're both. Mm-hmm, <laughs> You've got mm-hmm. both of those yeah. things going on. And so everybody talked about how they see their cat. And I said, well, so which one of the animals was right about how to see a cat? And they said, well, none of them were wrong. (laughs) And I said, okay, well, there were four Gospels. And in the four Gospels, we have four different pictures of who Jesus was. And which one of those is right? And the kids thought about that for a second. And they go, they're all right? And I said, yeah. They all give us a slightly different perspective about who Jesus was and what he was about. Right. And so it's not important for us to figure out which one is right. It's important for us to listen to all of them because we learn something a little bit different from all of them because cats are cuddly and cute, but they are also food for foxes. Mm -hmm. And they're also kind of mean to dogs. Mm -hmm. And they're also predators for fish Mm -hmm. and homes for fleas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that cats can be all of these things at once. And so, you know, the Jesus story is different and that's okay. But the question is, how do you see everything that you look at in your life? Because um, we have all these different ways that people see Jesus and all these different ways that people see the cat. But right. often it says more about who that person is than it does about mm-hmm. Jesus or the cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so when you see somebody, do you think only of all the bad things you know about them? Or do you try and look for something good in them too? I said, we all get to choose how we see. Yeah. And we get to see with the eyes of love or we get to see with the eyes of judgment. Mm. And the eyes of love are by far preferable. <laughs> it makes you a much happier person. Yes. And so I said, so your challenge is to go out and look at everybody with eyes of love. Right. And they said, okay. They don't care. <laughs> Give us candy canes. Leave us Give alone. Give us candy canes and let us be. Let us yeah. be. And let, so, us, let us sing some more songs so we kind of know. Yeah, we sort of know these ones. And so they so they all went back to their beds. But then the sermon, to their beds, to their <laughs> pews. Pews. Some of them did fall asleep. For their favorite part, for the candlelight part. But, um, they all went back to their seats and then we kept talking about this. And so um, when I was, oh, maybe 10 years ago, when when Reese was young, my niece Reese, who's mm-hmm. 11 now, yeah, was one or two. We'd go out on walks mm-hmm. and she'd either be in her stroller or she'd be walking with us. And we, Nana, my mother, would play the game, what do you see? Mm-hmm. And what do you smell? And what do you hear? And what do you feel? 
And so we'd be out on these walks and Reese would see flowers Mm -hmm. and grass and cats and cars and people. Mm -hmm. And um, she would smell the flowers and the pine trees and she'd feel the breeze and she'd feel the sun on her skin and she'd hear dogs barking. And we had this whole routine about like we'd walk from the house to the mailbox and on the the way there was like a pine tree where, you Mm -hmm. know, we called it the tickle tree and we'd all get tickled by the tickle tree and we'd play with the wind chime. And so we do all these like sensory things that we would do to teach her to notice the world around her. Right. And it was lovely because kids, they notice all the best things. Right. When I go out with older people, mm-hmm. like maybe people of my age or her parents' age, what we tend to see is like, well, that guy needs to fix his muffler. <laughs> and they haven't cut their lawn. Mm-hmm. And somebody's dog pooped on the grass and nobody picked it up. You know, like yeah. we notice the things that are wrong with the world. And what we see changes over time. And so I sort of wonder, like, when did we lose our eyes of wonder Mm. and and pick up eyes of cynicism? Right. When did we become so cynical? In this cat story, what the people see, what the creature sees based on their own fears or their own desires or their own frailties. And that's often the lens that we look at the world through. Like our own insecurities often filter what we see. And so we have all these different pictures of Jesus. We have Jesus, the cute baby, mm-hmm. the eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus yes. sitting in his crib, watching baby Einstein videos, looking, learn about shapes and colors. If you <laughs> are a Ricky Bobby fan, we have Jesus, the kind counselor who's mm-hmm. on the hillside telling the poor and abandoned that God loves them and cares about them. Mm-hmm. We have Jesus, the angry rabbi who's flipping tables over in yeah. the temple and the revolutionary. Um, I know people who see Jesus as a blank check. Mm-hmm. I know see people who see Jesus as a sad martyr. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people who see Jesus as this judgmental, moral enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And other people who see Jesus as like the cool laid back guy who's hanging out in the bar with the prostitutes and the tax collectors. Right. And yeah. Yeah. All of those things. All of those things. But it probably says more about who we are afraid Jesus is mm-hmm. or who we would prefer Jesus is. Yep. Instead of who Jesus actually is. Yeah. So Isaiah mm-hmm. 9, 2 through 7 says, The people who have been walking in darkness have seen a great light, and that there's this hope for the world, and the hope is coming not in the form of a warrior god who's going to dominate the nations, but right. in the form of this child who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah. And all of those are nice things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, yeah. Prince of Peace, Everlasting right. Counselor, that they're, they're going to look for a baby who's going to be the father. Mm-hmm. What? Right. Or they're going to look for somebody who is a prince of peace and not of war. Yeah. yeah. Their fear mm-hmm. is going to be addressed not through domination, but through the kind of love and compassion and protectiveness that we feel of a baby. Right. Who will teach us compassion. Um, and that was true for Isaiah's world, and I could get into that, but I'm not going to because it's probably only interesting to me right now. <laughs> and then yeah. in the world of John, which was John was written a hundred years after yeah. Jesus was born. And so uh, John is not writing about like, and then on Tuesday, Jesus fed the 5,000 people. And then on Wednesday, okay, he went to Mary and Martha's house. Right. No, John is written more as a story about who Jesus was and not a story about what he did. Right. And so John is writing into this world where they've been through tons of war. They're Mm -hmm. still being persecuted. Right. It's a world of doubt and cynicism. And instead he tells the story of who Jesus came to be as God coming to be in solidarity, the light 
that shone in the darkness that moved into the neighborhood and the darkness couldn't put it out. Again, instead of God coming to dominate and rule, God comes in the form of, of solidarity, of hope. Right. Well, um, I kind of touched on this theme in my Christmas Eve sermon, but I did it in a slightly different way because I really talked about how we get comfortable with how we perceive the world now. Mm-hmm. And it's part of cynicism, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like that we're actually perfectly comfortable with the way the world is, but we're like, well, it's too much trouble. Yeah, I've to... accepted it because... Yeah, we've accepted it, right? Why bother? Nobody can Why fix bother? It. Nobody cares. And what we have is a... Is a when we when we sit around the manger is we have the story of, of, of God on the move. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about is God on the move. Like God is not going to be exactly who we think God is going to be. God right. Is well, be God, God is, Jesus is not going to be just the person you see in the mirror. Exactly. So however you perceive yourself, if it right. makes you comfortable or however you're afraid Jesus might be because it makes you uncomfortable and it can see yeah. an excuse maybe not to go to church. Yeah. But, um, but that, that yeah. God is bigger than all of that. Yeah. 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 So I told the Peter Rollins parable, cause you know how I like doing that. Uh, you know how you love it. And it's called Awaiting the Messiah. And he interprets it in a totally different way than I do, but I think they're both good. Um, oh, it is, it I, is I think, a parable. It I is think a parable. mine is just as good as his, uh, as she said arrogantly. So the Peter Rollins parable is called Awaiting the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, years and years have passed since the Messiah has gone and uh, and the Messiah comes back right. on some dull Tuesday and nobody notices. Mm-hmm. And does what the Messiah always did, went to the margins and found the poor and the people who were oppressed and the people who were left out and just hung out with them. And most of the city never knew Mm. that the Messiah was there. But Messiah heard this rumor about a group of people who were faithful. And so one Sunday morning, ventures into the heart of the city to a, a cathedral that's all but empty. But in the corner, huddled around a candle, is a group of the faithful. And they're praying. And what they're praying for is the Messiah to come again. Mm. They're praying for justice to reign. They're praying for there to be love and compassion and hope. They're praying for the Messiah to come. And Jesus does the creeper thing where he stands there and he just watches them for a while and they begin to feel his eyes. Mm-hmm. And Peter Rollins says they feel his eyes on their soul. And I'm like, Ugh, okay, whatever. <laughs> they feel the eyes on the back of their neck anyway. And they turn around and they see him and they recognize him. Mm-hmm. And one person, sort of the spokesperson for this little group, goes over and kneels in front of him and says, we have been waiting for your return. We've been praying diligently. We've been doing the work that we've been called to do. We have just one question for you. And Jesus sort of nods benevolently. (laughs) And she says, when will you return? Ooh. Because the presence of Jesus was there, but they were still awaiting this kind of Christ-like attitude to take over the world, they thought when Jesus came, it yeah. would be fixed. And it wasn't fixed. Right. And so I think it's beautiful because one, it, uh, he upset their expectations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's another meaning to it, which I really love. It's the Peter Rollins meeting, which is that we are awaiting something we can't describe. Yeah. And, and so, 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 so we have a hard time recognizing it when it begins to break. Well, he sort of compares it to people who, you've heard couples who, you know, fall in love mm-hmm. and they say, Oh, I was always waiting for this person. But if you'd asked them before they met the person, right. They wouldn't have been able to describe them. Right. And so he says, you don't start missing the thing, the specific thing, not the abstract idea, right. but the specific person until you've met them. Right. That there's something about um, meeting somebody, falling in love with somebody that then you begin to crave, not just a somebody, but, but that person. Some, yeah. That there's that specific experience that you are looking for. And he says, we are awaiting 
our love. We are awaiting our Messiah. We keep expecting that presence that we've had a little taste of Mm -hmm. and that now we crave. Right. And that it's not despite Jesus's presence that like, it's not that that ever gets satiated. It's not satisfied that it actually grows. The more we get to know God, the more we get to know Jesus, the deeper that grows in us, that we want that presence and that, that that specific thing is the thing that feeds us and not the abstract. Yeah. And so in John, they're talking about the logic of God, the logos Mm -hmm. of God. And it's described as the word, the word was with God and the The word word was was God. God. The logos of God is the logic of God. And it's to us completely illogical (laughs) because what it says is, yeah, I know that you are afraid and I know that you have anger issues and I know that you're sad and you're ashamed and that you've got all of these burdens that you carry, but the answer is not to control them. Mm -hmm. The answer is to be open anyway. Yeah. And it's completely illogical. The, The answer is not just to have a God come in and fix everything, but to recognize the God that is present with everything Mm -hmm. and with everyone that we have to tune our eyes to ordinary incarnation and not just be open to the God who is holy and loving and won't hurt us, but to be open to the God that is present, even in the people who, you know, we might be a little afraid of yeah, or might be a little angry about, or we might, you know, be a little ashamed of that God is present that this incarnation thing is not just something that happened 2000 years ago. Again, Mm -hmm. what if Mary, so what if Mary is full of grace, if I am not also full of grace, right? Not something that happened 2000 years ago, but that there is ordinary incarnation that God still inhabits human flesh and that we still have to pay attention um, to that desire for God. We have to pay attention to what God looks like now yeah, and not just to what God looked like 2000 years ago. So I told the funny story about the little girl in class and they're all drawing pictures Mm-hmm. And some of the kids are drawing pictures of their houses, you know, with like little trees with little, look like Q-tips and right. flowers. And some kids are drawing pictures of race cars. Mm-hmm. Some kids are drawing pictures of their families and some kids are drawing pictures of their, uh, pets. their pets. And this one little girl is working very diligently. And the teacher's walking around and saying, tell me about your picture. Tell me about your picture. Because, you know, that's the nice way to say, I have no idea what you're drawing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me about your picture. And the little girl says, I'm drawing God. And the teacher says, you can't draw God. Nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl says, they well, will in a minute. Well, they will and I'm done. Yeah, they will in a minute. Um, that she that she knows what God looks like now. Mm-hmm. And that our job is to try and figure out what God looks like now. And that our desire for God doesn't come from some abstract longing, but from God's love for us. Yeah. And so I guess my question for them was, so what do you see? Mm. As you're walking through your life, do you just see the mess? Or are you looking for Christ in the midst of it? Yeah. Are you overwhelmed by all the things that are going wrong? Yep. Or are you willing to look for the hope and the joy and the peace and the love? And then not only just look for it for yourself, but to be it. To be it. And for to other also people. to show it. Right. And I said, we come to Christmas Eve service. And I said, I know why you all come to Christmas Eve service. You're waiting for a silent night with candlelight. And I'm okay with that, but you're going to have to earn it today. <laughs> I said, we come and we're surrounded by the faces of people who are searching for hope. Yeah. Who are waiting for that moment where they mm-hmm. feel that that connection. Yeah. So we see the, the words of the stories that we know and that are familiar to us and that give us comfort, but also challenge us. And we see the symbols of our faith. We hear the music that inspires us and comforts us and soothes us mm-hmm. and sometimes leaves us feeling a little unsettled. Yeah. And that's all good. Yeah. 
I said, but when we come into this place on this night, we're coming looking for a very specific thing. And I'm afraid that if we're only looking for that very specific thing, we may miss the Christ that is all around us. Yeah. So may you be inspired and provoked and challenged and connected. And may you feel yourself full of grace and feel yourself strong enough to carry it into the world. Yep. And if you are surrounded by a mess of your own making or somebody else's making, are you willing to see Christ in the midst of it? Because they all saw a cat. (laughs) The cat was many things. So will you be looking? Will you be looking for all the ways the cat might show up in your life? Amen. Amen. So that was the Christmas Eve sermon this year. Wonderful. Uh, kind of an esoteric departure from last year's Christmas Eve sermon on romantic comedies on Hallmark Channel. Yeah, but, but you not know you got to keep it. You got to keep it fresh, man. Got to keep it real. Got to keep it real. This year, I needed some John in my life. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, my sermon was very much had a, had a very similar point. So, um, you know that we that we needed to pay attention and to be in the midst of it. So yeah, I totally appreciate that. Cool. Well, thanks, Susan. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing today, shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or on our website at sundaymorningsleepin.com where you'll also find some links to some things like the book, Christmas yeah, or Sermon I'll, on. I'll put on an Amazon link. And we won't get any money from that. We're not an affiliate or anything. So the scripture for this podcast was... Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7, and John 1, 1 through 14. And the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a worship service and even at the end of a Christmas service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation. It's called a benediction. It means a good word in Latin. And it's supposed to make everybody just a little bit holier before they leave. But the reason that people listen to a podcast like this or show up at a church service is because they've had a taste of what God is like and they're looking for a little bit more so may you have a taste Mm. may you have a taste of the kingdom may you keep your eyes open so that you see it when it shows up in your midst and may you choose not just to notice grace in the world and for yourself but to be grace for others to be love to be a listening ear to be compassion to seek justice to lift up those who are oppressed because that's often where we find God at work and God living in solidarity, the Messiah on the margins, uh, when most of us haven't even noticed he's there. Amen.